We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. There was a time when the East Bay restaurant scene was filled with exciting restaurants run by women of color. As KQED's Luke Sai writes... They were charismatic chefs who were cooking food that was deeply personal, reflecting the cultures that shaped their identities. Afro-Caribbean, Mexican, Korean, Lao. Juhu Beach Club in Temescal, that was an amazing place. Fuse Box in West Oakland. Brown Sugar Kitchen on Mendel Parkway. And of course, Miss Ollie's in Old Town. Sadly, Juhu Beach Club went out a few years ago. Fuse Box, which really truly was one of the most interesting restaurants on earth, also gone. And earlier this month, Miss Ollie's began its transformation from a traditional sit-down restaurant to something more complex. The old storefront, though, is closing. Restaurateur Sarah Kernan joins us today. Thankfully, she has new plans. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hello. Thanks for joining us. The other big question is whether all the money now coursing through Oakland, which has pushed out thousands of black residents... Maybe that's changed which restaurants can survive and thrive, leaving less room for the very kinds of chefs who made Oakland's national food reputation. And also here to discuss, as he does every couple of weeks, the Bay Area's food cultures, we have KQED's Luke Sai. Welcome to the show, Luke. Thanks so much, Alexis. So maybe let's start out with Sarah, actually. And you can tell us sort of what's happening with Miss Ollie's, just because I know there's some, uh, you've got, big plans that are just being announced now. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, we closed this, uh, the, the shops down in Old Oakland at the end of March, and we are working on a space in Uptown Oakland, which will be a sort of take on a traditional Caribbean takeout window mm-hmm. um, and doing focusing more on quality rather than quantity. So having only two to three items on the menu daily, uh, no sort of fixed hours, open at 11 till sold out, and really just sort of trying to keep the the trying to keep the flavor that we brought to Oakland in terms of Afro-Caribbean food. Mm-hmm. Um, we How are you... hoping to move oh. in. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah, so hoping to be open by the end of, end of May, beginning of June. Old sit-down restaurant, though, is going out. It was a staple of Swan's Market and 
really an, an anchor of the Oakland that I've known for, for sure. How do you feel about you know, shutting that part of the operation down? Um, I would have said, um, maybe a few months ago, I would have said that, you know, that model is, is not practical. It doesn't work. And, you know, it, it's not cost effective, but emotionally, I realized what that meant to a lot of people, especially as we were closing, you know, it was a place for people to gather. It was a place that we celebrated. We, we grieved. We did all these things in this wonderful space. And, I'm I'm sort of saddened that we had to make that decision, but it 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 is for the better for us as a business, mm-hmm. um, as a community. We have to come up with a solution to create spaces um, that people can, especially people of color, can gather and feel safe and celebrate. So we we're, we're doing that and through our nonprofit. But in the food world, I feel for us, it's a financially a better model to have more of a takeout business yeah. at this point. Yeah. And we're going to come back to those restaurant economics because I'm actually really, really interested in that. Uh, Luke Sai, though, first, for you, Miss Ollie's was really the centerpiece of an era of Oakland food, right? That's right. Um, You know, I feel really lucky that I started writing about restaurants uh, in the East Bay, sort of in the early 2010s. That was when I became the restaurant critic of the East Bay Express. And um, it was just, you know, really good fortune, um, that timing, because that was right around the time when Oakland's restaurant scene kind of first came to national prominence. You know, it was like, the New York Times discovered that Oakland existed. And so they would parachute <laughs> a writer in and say like, hey, look at all these restaurants. Not that like, you minded here, that. Not that you minded that. <laughs> Not that I minded. Um, and, you know, I, I was sort of the only person who was really covering um, East Bay restaurants intensely um, during that time. And I think the thing about it that was really special to me and why I talk about it as a sort of golden age is because if you looked at the emerging restaurant scene at that time, it wasn't just that there were good and trendy restaurants in Oakland because, you know, there are good and trendy restaurants in Oakland now. There are good and trendy restaurants in places like San Francisco and, and kind of any city that you can think of. Um, but it just so happened that in Oakland at that time, all of the really good and trendy restaurants were helmed by folks of color, you know, and often women of color, as you pointed out. Um, and these were like really accomplished chefs um, who perhaps had worked at other places and made a name for themselves at other places. But now they were opening their own restaurant and cooking this food that was like really personal to them, you know, whether whether they came from an Afro-Caribbean background or Mexican or Lao or whatever it was. Um, And maybe for the first time in their uh, cooking career, they were sort of serving that food um, to the public, you know, so you mentioned a lot of these restaurants, you know, Brown Sugar Kitchen, most amazing cornmeal waffles. (laughs) <laughs> you know, served in, in West Oakland. Fuse box, where, you know, you had a Korean-American chef who was like making dozens of different kinds of um, kimchi, you know, in this sort of industrial neighborhood in West Oakland. Um, you had Hawker Fair, you know, like Oakland's, easily Oakland's most famous chef at that time, James Siabut, who had like a fine dining restaurant with Michelin stars and all this stuff. Um, and now he was cooking this like amazing, like funk forward, Lao food, you know, from his own background. Um, And when you looked around all these restaurants, I think it was no coincidence that these were like the most diverse dining rooms that to this day I I have ever seen 
in my life. Um, and Miss Ali's was right at the forefront of that. You know, like you would walk into that room and you would just see all different folks there, um, black, brown, um, Asian, uh, across generations. Um, and I just thought like, it, it was such a rare thing. You know, like, I think like to me, cool food is always being made by by immigrants and folks of color. Like that's nothing new, <laughs> but uh, it's not always recognized by the mainstream, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And this was a time when it was, like you could go to the best restaurants and these were the best restaurants. Yeah. We're talking about Oakland's golden age of restaurants with KQED food editor Luke Sai and Sarah Kernan, chef owner of Miss Ollie's, an Afro-Caribbean restaurant and more in Oakland, recently closed as a sit down. What are your memories of that time? We'd love to hear from you, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more on this after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. We're back with our food segment every other week with Luke Side. Today, we're also joined by Sarah Kernan, chef owner of Miss Ollie's, an Afro-Caribbean restaurant in Oakland. The sit-down restaurant is closed, but the dream and the business lives on. What We'd love to hear from you. What are your memories of the 2010 restaurant scene, 2010's restaurant scene in Oakland and the East Bay? And what Oakland or East Bay restaurants or food are exciting you right now? Is there a restaurant that you go to that feels like a community, a place where you feel seen and, and love the food? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, of course. We're KQED Forum. Or you can email your questions or your suggestions of East Bay restaurants to forum at kqed.org. Uh, Luke, before the break, you were providing an amazing overview of what the food scene you encountered in the 2010s was. And you mentioned a few different restaurants. And I just wanted to like note what happened to those restaurants after they closed down, only because I do feel like it gives a, a bit of more hope uh, for me. Fusebox became Soba Ichi, which is from the people who brought you Ipuku and is also totally amazing. Juhu Beach Club became Fob Kitchen, serving amazing Filipino food. The original Brown Sugar Kitchen on Mandela became Cowbird. Hawker Fair became Chicano Spot Low Bar. So one of the one of the it's not a challenge to the thesis here, Luke, but I am like interested in what does it say that those places all were the places that went into those spots that we both loved are also really interesting and represent a really diverse array of foods and peoples. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a totally fair point. And, and I don't think anybody would say there isn't really great food in Oakland right now. And I don't think anybody would say that there are not awesome restaurants in Oakland and elsewhere in the Bay Area right now that are run um, by folks of color. Um, but I do think that 2010s era was unique um, in, in its own way, because I think it's not only that these were really great restaurants, but they were also affordable too, you know? And I think they were restaurants that you could go in and you could have a big celebration and drop a couple hundred dollars. Um, you could do that. But you could also go in with a family of four, you know, with your kids and you could spend maybe 50 bucks um, and have a really nice dinner. And I think that was a really democ democratizing um, sort of um, feeling that Oakland restaurants had, you know, during that time period. And I think now you sort of see a lot of these restaurants, they're either on one end of the spectrum or the other. Like, you know, there are still these sort of mom and pop restaurants that are maybe, you know, maybe they don't even have a dining area. Maybe they're just like a little takeout joint, you know, um, serving really good food, um, but, you know, inexpensive, down to earth, you know, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have um, some really great restaurants that are also run by folks of color that are sort of more on the fine dining end of the spectrum or more of like a special night out um, sort of end of the spectrum. Um, you have a real hard time these days in Oakland or, or really anywhere in the East, uh, in the Bay Area, finding uh, restaurants that are as exciting, as interesting um, as a Miss Ali's, as a Juhu Beach Club, as a Fuse Box, um, uh, that are still like affordable to, to like working class people in Oakland, you know? So I think that that's a big part of the story for me as well. Yeah. Sarah, chef owner of Miss Ali's, can you tell us what has become so difficult about restaurant economics? Because it wasn't just the pandemic, right? It preceded that. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what became so tough? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the pandemic just highlighted about the fragility of restaurants, you know, and that there was no rainy day savings. There wasn't a reserve of cash to get us through the, the two years that we sat in. And, you know, just even listening to you talking about, you know, the restaurants that replaced the staples. I mean, I, you know, back 10 years ago, rent was affordable. You know, like I remember our first rent that we that check we wrote for rent at at Swan's Market was in the, the 3500s. And it, it didn't stay like that for very long. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. we still kept our prices. We still kept our prices affordable. We still were, you know, giving people a, a, a higher hourly wage. And you, then your, your, the rent was just eating into anything that, was, that became profit or seen as profit, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the really crux of the matter is, Landlords talk about supporting and helping, you know, black and brown businesses or small mom and pop shops. But helping that is, I understand that prices are rising. But if you want to look at, you know, long term, long term tenants, like sitting down and negotiating rent is, is like the first deal that should be on the table. You know, we have a very fun surprise. We have Chef Tanya Holland of Brown Sugar Kitchen and other enterprises on the line. Thanks so much for calling, Tanya. Oh, it's my pleasure. I just really wanted to join this conversation because, you know, you're speaking to, um, you know, my my experience. And uh, Luke and I go way back, and you've nailed it. And Alex, I love, you know, you in the um, forum here, and I'm 
loving hearing Sarah's voice, but I just wanted to kind of throw in an amen, like where's the flavor, you know, where's the opportunity to enter, uh, to entry for aspiring restaurateurs who want to, um, you know, show their heritage, their food and, and their skills and their flavor and also make it accessible to residents that are, that have been here for years and, you know, what are we going to do? My personally, I think it's a, it's a real estate issue and we need to have some legislation around, um, you know, real estate landlords and, um, and entrepreneurs in conversation with more partnerships. Cause uh, Tanya Holland, I, as I believe most people know, you're called upon to sort of speak for women of color, restaurateurs and chefs and entrepreneurs often. So is this, an, and not just here locally, but nationally, is this something that you're hearing kind of everywhere? Or is this a Bay Area real estate thing that this is just making things harder and harder here specifically? Um, it's definitely a national issue, I believe. But, you know, I just seeing it in front of my eyes as to what's happened in Oakland since I arrived here and opened my first restaurant and um, how promising the opportunities uh, were seeming and how exciting the scene was, as Luke said, you know, I mean, my neighbors were, you know, my, my, uh, you know, my business neighbors were Sarah and Fusebox and Mm -hmm. Juhu. And those are my colleagues that I feel like we all cut our teeth on, you know, restaurant tourship uh, 101 with. And um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's really heartbreaking to see that um, so many of these places can't exist here anymore. Yeah. So where do you see the opportunities then? I mean, we have two amazing chefs on the line who've run amazing restaurants. If you're a young chef out there, you're someone working in a restaurant, you're thinking to yourself, what, where do I get, where do I get in? What do I build uh, in this particular moment, given how difficult it is? Uh, and maybe let's uh, go Sarah first and, uh, and then Tanya. Yeah, I would say I look at folks like... Uh, um, sorry, Christian Washington and Sade, who are running uh, the Comfort Collective, mm-hmm. and, and they're doing pop-ups, monthly pop-ups. Uh, this Monday, they're at Fab Kitchen, and you know they've had to sort of really pivot because they were always a pop-up, but more so because people really want to sort of still eat comfort food, have a summer experience, link it with music, and you know, and joy. And I feel that until, as Tanya said, until we start to have bigger conversations about ownership, you know, land ownership, buildings, investment, better investments for black and brown folks, especially women of color, that, that's what's going to have to happen. We're going to have to, you know, work with other chefs who have spaces. People are still doing the Wednesday through Saturday model, pop-ups on Sundays possibly, and really looking at restaurants and folks of the industry pulling together to uplift the, the next crew of people that are out there still wanting to cook from their soul. Yeah. And Tanya Holland? Yeah, I mean, I'm in complete agreement with Sarah. And as you said, you know, out nationally, headed to the uh, MAP Mentoring Conference in Fort Lauderdale uh, in a couple of days to talk about that, and then the James Beard Foundation. Um, and it's really, it has to be a really big conversation. I mean, we see how important this industry is the national economy, let alone the Bay Area economy. But in order for it to be sustainable, um, there's just got to be some radical changes made. And 
the real estate model, I believe, is one, you know, again, it's all about access. What I've been talking about for years is just access to opportunity, access to capital, access to information, you know, that's equitable. Yeah. Looks like as you're out there talking with people starting new restaurants and, and just getting going, what are you hearing from them on how they're how they're surviving and how they continue to sort of make really exciting food despite all these challenges? Yeah, you know, what I wanted to what I wanted to say um, was just, you know, I think the the pop-up scene in the Bay Area and in Oakland specifically remains amazing and vital and so much exciting stuff being done by by often young chefs of color um really pushing the envelope really introducing new cuisines um even to the bay area um and you also see some of these informal businesses um run on instagram um that are doing amazing um interesting stuff but it is like a huge leap (laughs) to go from doing that to having this sort of brick and mortar um, restaurant. And, and I think maybe it's like uh, Sarah said, you know, maybe, maybe this brick and mortar model is just not even one that we should aspire to anymore. You know, maybe mm-hmm. we should just throw that out and, and just try different models, you know, but that's why I think work of organizations like La Cocina, uh, which is, which is an incubator mm-hmm. kitchen, you know, based in the mission. And they, they recently opened a food hall in the tenderloin. Um, their work is basically taking these sort of like uh, up and coming, you know, often immigrant women chefs, um, and helping them make that transition where maybe they were just selling out of their driveway, or maybe they were just doing pop-ups or selling at farmers markets, and helping to put them into a prominent like brick and mortar space uh, to give them a new platform and to help them to reach new audiences. Um, I think that sort of work is really important, and you know, th- there has to be support for organizations that are doing that kind of work. I think. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Let's uh, bring in another unconventional food uh, organization, Lauren from Lafayette. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling. Hi, um, my name is Lauren Herbeck. I own Local Food Adventures. So since 2014, I clearly have saw the um, the magic of Oakland restaurants um, back in this golden age of restaurants that we're discussing, and started uh, a local food tour um, starting in the Rockridge neighborhood and. Um, it's so nice to kind of be on a call with two wonderful women who I've been able to work with and have my tours come to their establishments. And Luke, um, I, you know, we've, we've emailed a number of times. Um, but I wanted to just kind of weigh in about, yeah, you know, how, you know, there has been this evolution. And, you know, it, it impacts not only restaurants, but also a lot of businesses like mine that support 
support restaurants. And so I think what you saw with COVID and shutting down, I know I had to pivot my business. I went from, you know, guiding thousands of people um, throughout Oakland and East Bay restaurants and specialty shops. Um, and then completely seeing that shut down and then, um, you know, moving into kind of like the gift box model. So I think I think what Luke is saying is totally right. We're seeing sort of the, the, the polarization of restaurants, either the higher end, sit down, spend a lot of money to, you know, the quick takeout service. Um, and then, you know, figuring out how we support restaurants in this kind of changing landscape. It's been really interesting to watch from as an insider on the outside. Um, and then you know, seeing how my business can sort of mm. can pivot and change along, um, and you know, hopefully, ha- and how we bring guests back, and in what manner that happens, because I don't know if it will be in the same format that it was prior to the COVID shutdown. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Chef Tanya Holland, um, what do you think your next thing may be, uh, or are you done with you know making food and you're just going to go cookbooks, media empire? Uh, what do you think? Oh, I mean, I'm just going to continue to try to be impactful and move the needle and, you know, leave some kind of legacy and paved way. <laughs> um, it's just really all I know how to do. It's it's probably going to be more in the media space in terms of, yeah, my cookbooks and appearances and panels and um, uh, whatever else I can get into. I have some consulting projects, you know, I'm, I'm older, <laughs> you know, I'm not like a startup and I don't need to prove myself. So I'm kind of aging out of the, the hustle of being in the kitchen every day, but I still love this industry and just want to, you know, see it thrive. Yeah, I hear. Let's get another uh, call in here. Guillermo, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you for taking my phone call. I just want to say to my love, because that's what I call Miss Elliot every time that I see her, and she's a bundle of love, and it reflects on the food that she was making. It was a unique place, not only for the community, but also it brings me back every time that I was in there. I was going back to home where I grew up in El Salvador, and eating her food reminds me of home, and it's like, oh, my God, this is so delicious. So I already miss her. I miss my love, and... I wish her the best in the future. Thanks, Guillermo. And Sarah, for for folks Thanks. like that, yeah, you 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 can say you can say hi back, and uh, yeah, and, and I get choked up because I it's we saw each other just after the restaurant closed, and he thought I was joking when I said, "Oh, we're closed." He said, and it happened to be on April first, so he thought I was playing a trick on him. So. <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, it's, uh, you know, I think it's, you just have to keep keep your mind open. Let's not, you know, think that this is the end of something. It's the beginning of and that's how we make change. Yeah, yeah. A uh, couple of great uh, comments coming in. Jen writes, uh, good morning. I miss the old school soul food, fried seafood and Mexican restaurants of Oakland's bygone era. Lady Esther's, the patio and a teeny tiny hole in the wall near Lakeshore Avenue that served the best stewed beef enchiladas. Bring back memories of happy tummy moments. That food had soul and love mixed in with all the ingredients. It's a shame uh, they disappeared. Uh, Emma writes, I'm a food and beverage photographer based in Napa Valley and have a growing number of clients in the Oakland area, mostly BIPOC chefs. My favorite newcomer to Oakland is the Korean tofu banchan Joo Doo Boo. 
unbelievably fresh and delicious take on fast, casual dining. Also notable is Lion Dance Cafe, a plant-based Singaporean spot. We've actually had the uh, owner on the show. And Vegan Mob for soul food as well, which we've talked about here on the segment with Luke. I wanted to end this with just round the robin, Sarah Kernan, Luke Sai, Tanya Holland. What's one exciting place that you think people should go to? Check out the pop-up, like I said before, Comfort Collective at uh, Bob Kitchen this Monday from 6 to 10.30. Beautiful. Thank you, Sarah. Luke Sai? Uh, I just want to shout out, you know, uh, Kingston 11, which is still going strong, serving Jamaican food in uptown Oakland. And uh, the chef, Nigel Jones, is is opening a new place in the next few months called Calabash, which is going to bring together Jamaican, Malaysian, and Persian influences hmm. all in one restaurant. So I'm really excited about that. Wow, that's exciting. And Tanya Holland, last recommendation. Uh, yes, I love Taiho, Oakland. Um, it is Vietnamese food. It's one of my go-tos. Uh, it's really fresh, and it's just really served with heart and soul. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. We've been talking about Oakland's golden age of restaurants with KQED food editor Luke Sai. Thanks, as always, for joining us, Luke. Thanks for having me, Alexis. Sarah Kernan, chef owner of Miss Ollie's Afro-Caribbean restaurateur. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Thank you for having me. And Tanya Holland, thank you for listening and calling in. That was so exciting. Tanya Holland, of course, chef, cookbook author, and owner of the renowned Brown Sugar Kitchen. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.